Okay, Rabtadav Zion Amid Aleph. The Gemara asks in the top line, Yesh Yad Litzdaka or Ein Yad Litzdaka. So the Gemara is asking a lot of kashas about whether there's a Yad for Karban, whether there's a Yad for uh, for Kedushin, whether there's a Yad for this, Yad for that. The Gemara is Yad for Peya. The Gemara is not answering any of this. So if you look at the Ran, the Ran has a whole Arichus where he talks about how we paskin. It has to do with um, all these Yad's questions end off with a Teku. So it has to do in general, how do we paskin by tekus? You know, are we, some say that you're machmer because it's an iser, right? You're potentially, you know, like let's say you said peya and then you want to use it. That's potentially an iser. On the other hand, it's also monetary. And usually when it comes to monetary, you hold on to it. You don't have to give it. So it's a shayla. Fine. So the Gemara Sakasha, is there a yad for tzedakah or not? It's literally the same Gemara as we had yesterday. Again, a yad means that it's, it's the gist of it. It's not 100% clear. Because if it's 100% clear, it's not a Yad, as we have with Kedushin, right? If you say, then you say, then Atnami is not a Yad. That's, that's better than a Yad. So the Gemara asks, well, is there a Yad by Tzedakah? So what's the case? The Gemara says, hey, Chidami, what's the case? Ilema, the case is, you point to one quarter and you say, this quarter should be for Tzedakah. And then you point to another quarter and you say, you too, that quarter also. So the Gemara says that's not called Yad. That's 100% clear that you're designated both quarters for tzedakah. Hahut tzedakah atzmahi. That's clear tzedakah. That's not a Yad. It's the same thing as the Gemara, same formulation as I had yesterday. Elakigoin, the Amar Hadein, Valoy Amar Nami. The cases where you said this quarter should be for tzedakah, and then you point to that quarter and you say, and you. So there's two choices. Either you're saying, and you're also for tzedakah, or you're saying, and you are not for tzedakah. Okay, those are your choices. And because it's slightly vague, it's a yad, so you didn't formulate the whole sentence, we're not clear. There's a little bit of ambiguity. Did he mean that the other coin is also tzedakah? He's saying, oh no, you, that quarter is used for other uses, not tzedakah. He just didn't finish his sentence. So the Gemara basically asking, is there a yad for tzedakah? To Compound the question, mi amrina, do we say, similar to yesterday, we know there's yad by nidarim, by, by karbonos. Tzedakah is compared to karbonos. However, it's compared to karbonos regarding the laws of, um, regarding the laws of balta'acher. It's in the same pasuk of balta'acher that we compare tzedakah to karbonos, meaning the same way karbonos, you have to bring the carbon in a certain amount of time, and if you're not, you're ever balta'acher, you postpone it too much. So to tzedakah is the same way. If you designate a matter for tzedakah, you have to give it in a certain amount of time. So the question is, do we say that because tzedakah is compared to karbanos, ein hekish lemechza, the, the mechza, that means that they're, com- they're compared to all halachas. So if karbanos have a ziyad, so to tzedakah has a ziyad, I don't know. It's compared for baltacher, not for other things. Kimen deesish lekarbanos dechsev. The Pasuk says regarding karbanos, regarding baltacher, beficha. Zutzdaka, and that's referring to tzedaka. So ma karbanos yeshlan yad, so we say, do we say that just like karbanos has a yad, af tzedakah yeshlan yad? Oy dilma, baltacher deesish. And it's only compared to Baltacher. It's the same kasha. Another kasha. Yesh yad lahefker. What if in the same situation, instead of tzedakah, you do the hefker? You say, this quarter should be hefker, and this. You point to another quarter, and you say, in this quarter. You didn't say, is it hefker? You say, in this quarter, is not hefker. You didn't finish your sentence. But this is not object. Huh? Yeah, meaning you point to this table, say, this table should be hefker. Then I point to that table, and that table. So, not a mitzvah. True, but it's the same. It, it, oh, so so what's the question? So usually you're asking a good question, which is hefker should definitely not be a yad. Like there's no concept of a yad in your regular day speech. The question is, do we say that hefker is very comparable to tzedakah? Because 
a lot of times when you gave tzedakah, you did it through a form of hefker. If you think about it, like pay is tzedakah, right? It's through hefker. Like a lot of tzedakah was done through hefker. I'm mafker the money. On the other hand, tzedakah is not really hefker because hefker is for everybody. Tzedakah, you're giving to the poor people. So the question is, is tzedakah and hefker similar enough that if there's a yad for tzedakah, there's probably yad for hefker? Or do you say no? Which they said, which is like. Hefker is just your speech. Like, why? It's not like a nether. If I if I said this is hefker and I said it on that table and I didn't finish, then why would I say it's not? The answer is: Is it comparable to hefker or not? That's the Gemara's question. Well, if I declare something hefker, I can take it too. If True. I, it's the, too, I guess the case would be exactly. So hefker is slightly different. On the other hand, a lot of tzedakah was formulated through hefker. So do we treat them the same in halacha? Because you're right. Without that comparison, there would be no reason to assume there's a yad for Hefker, because like, why, why should there be a yad? It's not a mitzvah, it's not a biblical concept, like, why should there be a yad? The answer is, the Gemara is going to explain, is it comparable to Hefker? So the Gemara says, yesh yad lehefker. Um, ein yad lehefker. Hainu tzedakah. So the Gemara says, isn't Hefker like tzedakah? Meaning, it's im tim tzilor mekamer. Im tim tzilor yesh yad lehefker. The question is based on the foundation that you assume. If you assume there's a yad for tzedakah, Hefker miyamrin and hainu tzedakah, do we compare Hefker to tzedakah? Or do you say no? Tzedakah is meant only for poor people. Hefker is free for everybody. That's the question. Is, is Hefker more comparable to Tzedakah or not? Again, another question that, that's not answered. By Ravina, another question. Is there a yad for a bathroom? What this is based on is based on the premise like this. There's a concept in Halacha. It's a shayla in the Amirayim. But the Gemara is obviously assuming Hazmana Milsahi. Hazmana Milsahi means... If you designate something as a bathroom, it already has the laws of a bathroom that you can't daven in that room, even if you didn't use it yet. It's the same halachas for like an arun. Like if you build an arun and you say this is meant for a sefer Torah, it's the same shayla. Does it have the kedusha? It's called hazmana. Is setting aside a room? So the gemara is assuming setting aside a bathroom is enough to make it a bathroom in halacha that you can't daven them, or even if there's no toilet, even if it wasn't used yet. But just setting aside is enough. So the question is, if I say that room is the bathroom and that room, and I didn't finish it, do we say that it has an iser of davening in that room? That's the Gemara's kasha. And again, it's based on the premise that if you set aside a room as a bathroom, that alone. Because if you don't believe in that, and the only way for a bathroom to be a bathroom aloha is you have to actually use it as a bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom in it, then obviously the shayla doesn't start. It's assuming designating a room as a bathroom is enough to make it a room as a halachic bathroom that you can't daven, can't wear tefillin in it. And the question is, if you say this room is the bathroom, and that room... He didn't finish his sentence. Is that also designated the second room as a bathroom? That's the Gemara's kasha. Is the tzedakah the same thing? In other words, if you have in mind, you're giving it to somebody... Uh, mind is not enough. You have to actually verbalize it. But it's Nagaya when it comes to like tefillin bags, talis, and all these things. Like if you take a tefillin bag, you buy it in the store, and you say, this is my tefillin bag, it could be it has kedusha even before you use it. So the Gemara says... Okay... Again, what's the case? It's a similar Gemara that we had before. What's the case? You said this room should be a bathroom. And then you point to another room and you say this room also. So the question is, that's not a Yad. That's designated it outright. That's better than a Yad. It's the same formulation. The case is where you said this room should be a bathroom. And then you point to a second room and you say in this room. The question is, do you mean in this room should be a bathroom? Or in this room is not a bathroom? You didn't finish a sentence. 
That's the Gemara's kasha. And the Gemara doesn't answer, but the Gemara says, you see from this, though, that if you designate a room as a bathroom, it's significant halachically to make it a bathroom, because if not, I mean, there's two ways to make a bathroom in halacha. You either have to use it, to poop in it, or you have to, or designating is enough to do it. The Gemara is obviously assuming that designating is significant, because if designating is not significant, then the entire Gemara doesn't start. The problem is, it's a shaila of whether designated is, is significant. So over here, like, the Gemara is just like assuming that it is, but isn't it a shaila in the Gemara? This is Ravina asking. So the Gemara says, It seems like Ravina is so confident that designating a bathroom is enough to make it a bathroom in Aloha. Didn't Ravina ask this? This is in Mesechus Brachis. The Gemara Brachis says that Ravina wasn't sure whether designating is, is considered Hazmana Milsa here or not. So it's like, why over here is he confident? It's like, what changed from Mesechus Brachis to Mesechus Nadarim? So the Gemara says, Zeman moil ain't zeman moil. That's the question. Is a bathroom or a bathhouse? Bathhouse um, also has halachas that are similar. It's a shaila whether nowadays our bathrooms are bathrooms. It's a shaila whether nowadays our showers are showers. But pashtas, eh, probably, probably. I'm not going to say pashtas. It probably is. This, I actually, if you wanted to make halachas, maybe if I give a shit tonight, my plan is to give a shit tonight, but um, unless something changes. But maybe I'll talk about bathrooms. Uh, washing your hands for, for bread or after ba- in the bathroom, if you hold that our bathrooms are bathrooms, they're tame, then the second you're done washing them, your hands are a tame again. Oh, so that's a good shot. So the Gemara says, so that's the shayla. The shayla is whether, whether Zimun is moil. So why is it that Ravina is unsure in brachis, but over here he's confident? What changed? So the answer is, in Ravina chada megav chada kem we had this lashon yesterday. Also. Ravina was asking a double-layered question. What he really meant to say is, is hazmana milsahi meaning is setting aside a bathroom significant? And if it is, what about a yad? But he wasn't sure. Ravina's not sure, although it made it sound like he is. He's actually not sure. First of all, he's asking whether setting aside a bathroom is significant. And if you believe it's significant, what about a yad? So the Gemara doesn't say teku over here, and as I said yesterday, the Rishonim say Mesechus Adarim is Mishunah. Mesechus Adarim has different Rishonim than any other Shas, and it says Tiboyle. Tiboyle means teku. I, I, I mean, it has the same answer. Teku means Elio is going to answer it, but Tiboyle, we're what's not the, sure. What's the reason it's different than Adarim? I don't know. I don't know. It's just all the Rishonim point this out that the Rishonim are just different Mishunah. Okay, fine. New topic. We said in the Mishnah. When it was describing lashonus of a yad, there was one lashon that the Mishnah said we're not sure whether it's a lashon of a nether, and that's menuda. Menuda, and the shaila is really based on as follows: the Gemara is going to explain menuda can either mean excommunication. Excommunication is not nether. I'm excommunicated from this bottle that doesn't have any meaning. But menuda can also mean nida, right? A woman is separated from her husband. Separation is a good lashon. Rabbi Kiva wasn't sure. The, the Mishnah said, Menuda, if you say Menuda, Rabbi Kiva was not sure and he treated it stringently, but he wasn't sure whether it was a good lashon for another. So the Gemara speaks it out. Rabbi Kiva's Maida, that while he treats it as a nether, if you eat it, let's say you ate something that you said a lashon Menuda, you won't get lashes. Because he's not confident. He's not, 
He's not confident enough to lash you if you break a nether. He's just confident enough that he should be machmer lechachila. Meaning he's basically machmer lechachila, but but he doesn't actually treat it as a nether legamri that you should get lashes. And the Gemara I'll prove it to you. Imkei nisar avakiva machmer. Because if that was the case, it should just be avakiva machmer. Avakiva strict. It says avakiva choichich bale bezel lahachmer. Avakiva is unsure and treats it stringently. Unsure and treats it stringently is not going to be lashes. Okay. Now, the Gemara is going to speak it out. The Shaila of whether Menuda, that Rav Akiva is Machmer, and the implication is that the Rabbonon are not, the Shaila is basically, is Menuda from a Lashon Nida, in which case it's a good Lashon, or is it from Menuda, from excommunication, from Shamta, and it's not a good Nada. Rav Akiva is not sure. And the Gemara speaks it out. Am Rav Akiva, Am Rav Papa. Bin Nadina Minach, if you lose Lashon Nadina, which is straight up Nida, then Kuliyamal Pugidasa, everyone agrees that's a good Lashon. Mishamtana minach, excommunicated, lukuliyama tushari. Everyone agrees that's not a good lashon for a nether, and the nether doesn't take effect, because excommunication is not a nether. Bimai pligi, go to the next page, what's the machloikas? Biminuda anilach, the question is minuda. Rav Akiva savar lishna diniduyuhu. Rav Akiva feels that the shorish of minuda is really from nida, it means separation, and it is a good nether. Rabbanan savar lishna dibshamtinahu. And Rabbanan say, no, it's a real lashon of excommunication. And, and, and it's not a good nether. So that's the machleik. It's dafka, the word menuda. But if, if you use the term excommunication, everyone agrees it's fine. The Gemara says, this thought that we just threw in Agav, that if you use the lotion of excommunication, according to everybody, it's not a good nether, it's actually not like Rav Chizda. Rav Chizda felt that excommunication is also a machleikas. Meaning right now saying, if you use the Lashon of excommunication, it's not a good nether according to everybody. Rav Chizda disagrees with this. Pliga de Rav Chizda. Ahu gavra da omer mishamta b'nechzei debrei de Rav Yirmiya bar Abba. There was a person who said, I am excommunicated from the possessions of the son of Rav Yirmiya bar Abba. So he straight up said excommunication, which we said just now is not a good nether. This person came to Rav Chizda and he said, well, I said this Lashon, what's the deal? Omer lei less the chosh l'hadarav akiva. Rav Chizda said, ah, oh, that's a machlekes Rav Akiva in the Rabbanon, we don't pass on like Rav Akiva, it's fine. Meaning, Rav Chizda implied that it's a machlekes in the case of excommunication. He's just saying we don't pass like Rav Chizda. That's not like what we're saying, because we're saying excommunication, according to everybody, is not a good nether. Rav Chizda felt that it's a machlekes. He happened to not pass like Rav Chizda, but he looked at it as a machlekes. Huh? Why can't we call that a yad? It's it still has to, it still has to, no, because, oh, that's interesting. But this is like, if you say the wrong word, then it's nothing. I guess, you, I guess you see that the Rabbanon feel that it's even better than you. It's not even ambiguous. They know it's not another. That's a good point. What's he doing? In a yard, you he's just saying, I don't want, I, he, he's saying, I don't want to talk to you. It's, it, it was their curse word. No, seriously. Maybe that was their way of just saying, get out of here. Ah, misham Yeah, get out of here. You're right, because if it's at all ambiguous, it should be treated as a yad. It must be, and Tysus, I just noticed, Tysus says, Aimless safkai belashanida. It's not even a suffolk. You're right. Meaning Tysus says, or Kiva treats it as, as a suffolk. He maybe treats it as a yad. The Rabbana, like, no, that's not even a yad. That's poshit, not a nether. It's an interesting point. Now that we met and mentioned excommunication, we're going to talk about the laws of excommunication for the rest of the Ahmed. The Gemara says like this Amarav, Ilo Amarav, Nido Bifanov, Ain Matir Loyel Bifanov. That question is like this. Does the removal of an excommunication from Bezdin have to be done in front of the person who is excommunicated? So the Gemara says, if you excommunicated, if you gave the psak in front of him, 
they said you're excommunicated, then they have to remove it in front of him. If they gave the psak not in his presence, they just put up signs saying he's excommunicated, they could do it not in his presence. Now, why do they have to do it in his presence? You'll say, well, you know, they excommunicate him in his presence, so they have to remove it. The Gemara the, the says the Rishonim speak out is because if you remove the excommunication not in his presence, it's possible he won't know about it. He's just going to see people like talking to him normally, and he's going to be like, ah, excommunication is not like a big deal anymore. So if he was present, and he for sure knew about the excommunication, then he has to be removed in his presence. If not, not. Okay. The Gemara says, Amar Rav Chanan, Amar Rav, Hashemaya Haskar. Because that way, he, if he knew about it in his presence, it has to be removed in his presence. So that he knows that the removal was done, and people are not just being lax in the laws of excommunication. Like, excommunication meant that, like, it's a shayla in the round of whether the family has a distance, you can't do business with him, you can't let him in shul. It was like a big deal. So if, if he was excommunicated in fr- presence of Bezdin, it has to be removed in the presence of Bezdin as well. Huh? Yeah, that's also true. If someone says God name, God's name in vain. Now, by the way, just Agav, this is a very big shayla in the Rishonim. It definitely means just saying Yud Kevavke right now. If I say Yud Kevavke, that's for sure saying God's name in vain. It's a shayla in the Rishonim if you say a brachal of Atala. Let's say I say brachal of Shakan Yivar. I'm not drinking, just, I wanted to. It's a shayla whether that's Asid Deraisa under saying God's name in vain. According to many Rishonim, Magadav Ram brings a whole list. According to many Rishonim, it's only Darabanan. Because God's name in vain is just when you say Hashem's name. When you say it in the context of a bracha, shakoni ebedvaroi is true. I happen, I should drink, but if I don't drink, I, I, what, what did I say? I said God's name in vain. No, I didn't. I praised God that I said, He is shakoni ebedvaroi. Everything is created with His words. It's true. It's a praise of Hashem. It's just a praise I shouldn't be saying. It's a rabbinic prohibition. The reason why it's significant is I once gave a shir about this, so I could talk about this tonight also. I once gave a shir about this, and that is that if you. Um, uh, the halacha is that we will allow, under certain circumstances, you to do a rabbinic prohibition to avoid embarrassing someone, but not a biblical prohibition. So the shayla is, whatever, it has to do with certain situations where you're not supposed to do sheva brachas for all seven days. Based on certain situations. And let's say the chassan and kala fall into that category, but they don't want people to know about it. So the family is going to be making a sheva brachas, and it's a brachal of atala. Because they're not supposed to be making a Sheva Brachas, right? If it's a second marriage for both people, you only do it at the night of the wedding. You don't do it for seven days. So let's say whatever, uh, you know. Or the case the Ravadi asked was that a girl, uh, she had had an abortion before she met her husband. So now they have a baby. So everyone thinks it's Shalom Zachar. Uh, not Shalom Zachar, it's Pidin Aben, Mazel Tov Pidin Aben. They want to make a whole thing, make a party. It's not a Pidin Aben. She already had a baby. She just didn't want to tell anybody. So if it's an Issa Deraisa to make a Bracha Levatalo, if it's under the category of saying God's name in vain, you're not allowed to do it even if it causes embarrassment. But if it's only Yasser Darabonon, we'll allow it to avoid embarrassment. Again, you know, so Ravadia, so the point is, most Rishonim feel it's Yasser Darabonon. That's why under this circumstance, they, they would let it go. I wouldn't plan it, but you understand, if such a situation happens. The so bracha, making a bracha. Making a bracha is an Yasser Darabonon. As opposed to just saying Hashem. Correct. And as opposed to the abortion. <laughs> which could potentially be a lot worse, or not, it's up to you. But uh, the, the point is, but yes, God's name in vain, that's what I'm saying. So the Gemara says, If you say God's name in vain, either that means a brachal of atala, or just pashas, you just say yudke vavke. Or not just yudke vavke, whatever, ad, adnai, and uh, pronounce it the way you should, elikim, and all these things. 
Tzarech l'nadoyse. That's enough that you have to put him excommunication. That was enough to excommunicate someone. No, I think amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different world that we were living in, by the way. It's like everyone would be put in chayim, for the record. Yeah, yeah. Is there is there a concept of chayim these days? Some rabban bezins will do it, but the problem is that if you don't respect the bezin that does it, if the bezin's not a chash of a bezin, then it doesn't really mean much. But but it's not to the same as it was back then. Back then it was like mamish, you were kicked out of the town. It was like it was a stark chayim. Nowadays, okay, a bezin in Brooklyn does it for you, so you're just not going to go to that bezin. You'll go to a different bezin. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the same power. And let's say bezin, no one puts him in excommunication. He should be in chayrim. Meaning, you know, he, he did something that, that warrants excommunication. Why is it saying God's name is so terrible? Besides for the Avera. Saying God's name in vain brings poverty, right? Because the Pasuk says, Wherever my name will be said, in a proper sense, I'll come and bless. Which means if you say God's name when it should not be said, it brings poverty. And poverty, aniyas kimisa. And poverty is like death. The Pasuk describes those that were poor as dead. So by you making God's name in vain, you're bringing poverty to that place and you're bringing, in other words, death to that place. That's enough to be excommunicated. This is also why Chazal, whenever they gave their eyes somewhere, right? they, they looked at their penetrating gaze, either death or poverty, because they're equivalent. The Gemara continues. Amr Rav Abba, have a kameder of Huna. I was once sitting in front of Rav Huna. Sham lahach levatal, and there was a woman who said God's name in vain. And I guess Rav Huna, Rav Huna understood that maybe she did it because she was upset or whatever it was. She's not a bad person, but she said God's name in vain. The halacha is you're supposed to excommunicate her, but Rav Huna didn't want to like excommunicate her, like you know. Let's say, probably what happened was, again, this is just like one of these, like, I'm guessing, because it was thousands of years ago, if Ravuna was a dying, could be she got, she was in a lot of pain, she was upset about something that it went wrong, and she said God's name in vain. She just yelled it out. Not as a curse, she said God's name in vain. So Ravuna is stuck. you got to put her excommunication. So what does Ravuna do? Shamta, he excommunicated her, and then immediately released her. You're excommunicated, you're fine. Now, the Gemara says, you learn out three things from this. Shmamino Tlas. Shmamino, you learn out, number one, Number one, you see that if you say God's name in vain, you have to be excommunicated. That's why he did it. But Number two, you also see that you're supposed to remove the excommunication in her presence, and that's why he did that. In her presence, he excommunicated her. In her presence, he removed her. And number three, You also see number three, there's no length of time for excommunication. It could be a moment. He excommunicated her, got the point across, and then removed it. The Gemara continues on with this. can excommunicate himself, and then he can remove his excommunication. So the Ran says that the Rajba and other Yishayim said that that's only true if he didn't really have to be excommunicated. If he didn't really do something wrong, but he felt for himself, he felt like what he did was wrong, he could excommunicate himself, he could remove it. The Ran disagrees. He says, no, he has the power to excommunicate himself and to remove excommunication, which feels like under the wrong settings, could create like a, vi- a super villain from a halachic perspective. But I guess it's talking about a real Tamachacham. The point is, if a Tamachacham makes a mistake, he can excommunicate himself and then he can remove said excommunication. The Gemara says, Pshita, yes, Pasha, why not? He's the, he's the Rav. So the Gemara says, Right, we have a rule that a person in prison can't release himself, right? 
Ah, it's different. I don't know. It's so interesting. I guess that's the conclusion. So the Gemara says, like, right? You might think, right? Which means that someone who's in the own prison cell can't remove himself. Which means that even though he normally can remove others, but when he's in it, you think he can't. no, he could. The Gemara just ends with this. What's an example of a rov excommunicating himself and removing it? This is why the Rajma felt that the examples, the example given of a rabbi excommunicating himself is where uh, he's doing it where he didn't really do anything wrong. This is the example the Gemara gives. The Gemara says, what's an example? When a student from his yeshiva would do something that would warrant excommunication, so he, he felt he didn't want the bacher to go through, it's, it's upsetting to go through this. This is what he would do. He would first excommunicate himself. Okay? Then excommunicate his students so that they're in the same boat. And then when he would go home after yeshiva, he would release his excommunication so that his family wouldn't have to distance himself from him. And then he said, well, once I'm removing mine, I remove my students as well. Not in front of him? Uh, yeah. By the way, I guess it was probably the whole thing. Both was done not in front of him. But also interesting, it shows you that like that's how he looked at his students, that he didn't want the students. Basically, he said that I, I'm going to go through it, and the student will just sort of get, by proxy, get all the halachas agav. All right, we'll stop here. Pick it up tomorrow, Bezashem.